welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. So, yeah, vision. That's all right. So it's our last session on leadership, and we're looking at vision. Um, Rick Joyner says this. He says, only a fool will follow someone who does not know where they're going. The more clear and noble the vision, the better the people will be who you attract. So vision's important. If, you, if you're going to be a leader, whatever you're leading, you need to know why you're leading. You need to know where you're going so that people can actually follow you. Um, and so you need a vision. You, you need to know what you're doing. Um, some other words that... Um, can describe vision are your goal, your ambition, what is your aim, what is your desire, your target, your objective, your intention, your design, your plan, your proposal, your initiative. So they're, they're sort of all words that kind of bring vision together. And I don't know whether you actually got around to doing it, but I suggested you looked up Nehemiah. Did, did you have a uh, I did not read it, but yeah, we had it, I think, last year on a camp for little kids, and we played it. And so I think I know. Okay, and what about you? Did you? We talked a bit about it. Okay. So let me give you a bit of historical context. So you kind of figure out who he is. Um, the, the reason I've chosen name Mayer is because I think he's one of the best leaders um, in the Bible, apart from Jesus, of course. Um, but but he, he's like someone who knew what he wanted, but also had the skills to make his plan and get the people to follow him really easily. So we're going to look at him and some of the things that we can learn from him and then um, to sort of sum all that up, I'm going to talk about little bits and pointers as to how do we draw up a vision, how do we get people to listen to us. So Nehemiah, and if you, if you we put it into the, the historical context, um, he was an Israelite, um, but from the tribe of Judah. Um, and if you remember, after the reign of Solomon, the kingdom of Israel was split into two. So you had Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Um, and they both had their own kings and got on with life. Sometimes they were allies, sometimes they fought, but they were two separate countries. Um, and as you probably are aware, the, pe- the people kept ignoring God's design, God's way of life, God's um, rules and laws. And they kept refusing to repent and turn back to God. Eventually, um, this just caused God to say, okay, you want to do it your way, you go ahead, do it your way. And he lifted, kind of lifted off his hand of protection. Um, and as a result, in around 1722 BC, the um, northern Israelites, the, the Israel in the north, they were conquered by Assyria. They came down, took them all back to Assyria. And that was that for them, really. They they were taken and they assimilated into 
the with the Assyrians, so they intermarried, and um, they actually ended up becoming um, a mixed race people called the Samaritans. So, if you jump forward to Jesus's day, the Jews wouldn't mix with the Samaritans because they were pure race; they were part Jewish, part Assyrian, and they didn't like that. Didn't matter to Jesus; he still loved them. And if you remember the woman at the well, etc. Um, but that's what happened to the guys in the north. Then you've got the guys in the south, the Judah um, tribe, or the country of Judah. Um, they carried on for quite a bit longer because they kept getting some kings who did follow God and, and they would please God and they'd come back to God and become a strong nation. And so, so the process of like turning the back on God took longer. So it wasn't until 586 BC that they were conquered and they were conquered by the Babylonians with King Nebuchadnezzar and so when all that happened Nehemiah's family were taken to Babylon um, and Nehemiah was from a noble household and I'm not 100% sure um, but I have read in one of, the, one of the sources that Nehemiah was a descendant of King um, King Jehoiakim. So, so he was of noble character, but he's now a slave, or his family were a slave, and he was born in captivity. Yep. Jeremiah, the prophet who was around at the time of King Nebuchadnezzar, he prophesied that the people would be restored back to Jerusalem 70 years later. And that God was going to rebuild the temple and they were going to become a nation again. So then, 70 years later, King Nebuchadnezzar is gone. And by now, um, the Persian Empire had come down again from the north and taken over Babylon. So now, instead of being like under the Babylonians, they're now under the Persians. And that was King Cyrus who took the throne. And King Cyrus favoured the Jews, and King Cyrus gave permission to a guy called Zerubbabel to go back to Jerusalem and begin building the temple. And you can read all about that in Ezra. Um, what's fascinating, it's not really got anything to do with the end Nehemiah, but I'm going to say it anyway because it just fascinates me um, the, there was opposition to building the temple so the, the people around Jerusalem didn't want the Jews to become a nation again um, so they started to oppose the temple being built and so it took um, there was a delay then for about 15 years so the, the building stopped and there was a delay um, and what's interesting is Daniel um, he realises that God had promised that the temple would be rebuilt after 70 years and then Daniel who is by now an old man um, is in his prayer closet and is interceding on behalf of the people of Judah the Jews and if you read it in Daniel 9 he prays and asks God to, to intervene which God did He by sending um, Haggai and Zechariah to the guys in Jerusalem to encourage them and the temple is rebuilt and there's like great celebration in Jerusalem. Are you still with me? 
Yeah, so I'm setting the scene. We're nearly at Nehemiah. Um, so Jerusalem is now a city again, but um, they keep getting under attack because the wall isn't built. And so, like, bands of robbers would come, steal a whole load of stuff and, and take it away and, and destroy stuff. And, and so they're in what is described as disarray. They're really struggling to maintain the city. They're struggling to be a people, even though quite a lot of them have gone back and they're now living in Jerusalem. And it's at that point that um, Nehemiah comes into the scene. Now, Nehemiah... <coughs> Is he's the cupbearer to the king, who by now is King Artaxerxes Longimus. Longimus. And depending on which historical resource you read, he is either Esther's husband or Esther's stepson. Right. So, so you see how the books all mingle together. So Esther's around at the time. She's certainly around at the time of Nehemiah and probably has a lot of influence over Nehemiah becoming the cupbearer. So Nehemiah hears this report that the Jews are having a hard time and and it it really grieves him. Um, He becomes really distressed and he spends some time um, weeping and and fasting and praying before God um, on behalf of his people. And you can read that in chapter 1 of Nehemiah. And he's right, really quite heartbroken. To the point that he's a little bit... It's noticeable on his face. Now, in those days you weren't allowed to come before the king and be depressed and sad. It was unacceptable for that. So here's Nehemiah trying to be normal before the king, but it's clear that he's upset to the point that the king asks him the question, why are you sad? And it's really quite interesting because he um, he says in his record, he says, I was very much afraid. I prayed and then answered the king. So in that moment, he's like, God help me. And then he, you know, like, it's got to be a fast prayer. It's got to be a quiet prayer because you can't, you know, get on your knees in front of the king and pray. Um, so he's like, God, I need help right now. And then he answers the king and he says look my people are really in distress um the wall isn't built and it's really hurting my heart you know like i'm really really upset about this i really want something to be done and amazingly he gets permission to return to jerusalem with a whole bunch of guys and to protect him um so that he can build rebuild the wall and so off he goes to jerusalem And this is where his leadership skills kick into play because he gets to Jerusalem and he, he says in chapter 2 that he has talked with the leaders of the city and then in the east, so he just like introduces himself and Nehemiah, I've come from Babylon um, and, and then in the evening it says he goes around the wall and he surveys the situation. So, so he he very carefully looks at what needs to be done and once he's done that he then goes back to the leaders and says to them and encourages them and says you know what Um, I'm here to help you rebuild the wall and this is what we're going to do so you see he makes his plan 
and then he shares his plan. And his plan was to get each of the, the families of the different people to rebuild part of the wall. So, so he sits down with the leaders of the city and he explains the plan and then, then he implements the plan with the rest of the people and they rebuild the wall together. So he puts different families in charge of different parts of the, the wall and if you read Nehemiah, you can find out which family does which part of the wall. And even with opposition, because some opposition comes by a guy called Sambalat, he is still there and he's encouraging the people and, and he's protecting the people. And he's, you know, they, they, some of them ended up some were building, some were holding swords so that when these bands of robbers came along or the opposition came along from Sambalat, they were ready to defend themselves um, but he was such a leader that they continued to follow him even when there was potential danger and they got the wall built in 52 days so, so within 52 days this, this leader had come back from Jerusalem and helped the guys rebuild the wall so the city became safe again of course then they have a great celebration and it's a good day um, he then sets about restoring the, the civil side of the nation so, so he's helped them rebuild the city he's got them safe again but now he wants to bring some order into the way the society is run and he does that by getting people in their right places so he looks at the different people and Ezra um, he's a priest and he gets Ezra, for example, to read out the laws to the people. So he raises Ezra up into who he is and, and helps him to be um, the, the priest that he's meant to be, gives him a platform and Ezra shares the, the law with the people. Um, Nehemiah does um, some, he records all the different families he does a register so he knows who's who who's living and he also like separates out the people who are not Jews from the Jews and also he makes sure that the roles of the Levites are restored as well so those who are meant to lead worship uh, meant to sing praises to God he gets them back in their rightful place and motivates them and encourages them and, and brings them back into who they're meant to be so that is the story of Nehemiah and I just encourage you to read it sometime when you when you get a spare time go read it because it's I mean I've said it in about 10 minutes but it, you know if you're going to look at the story thoroughly you can spend a few hours in that book but also maybe you could also read Ezra and uh, uh, Esther as well so that you can get the context of how they all sort of like mingle together and Daniel um, is in there as well. So I actually think that Nehemiah managed to achieve um, at least a level four, a level five of the leadership levels. You know, he he spent time with the people that he was leading. He got to know them. Um, it. If you read in a little bit more detail, he he um, defends the people, he helps the poor, he brings um, 
order to to the people that were ex, you know the, some of the guys who were receiving taxes were just receiving really high taxes and he's like this has got to stop so he stops the poor being exploited he brings um, order back to the place so he knows his people he gets to know them he got to know the leaders he got to impart the vision to them any thoughts and comments before we move on To, to vision um, in itself Nehemiah definitely had vision he knew he wanted to restore the wall, he knew he wanted to restore order and, and he put the plan together and he shared the plan and actually then implemented it so having vision is a good thing vision had vision for his own life he says this I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus so he knew what his life was about and he pressed on to that he pushed forward in his did you know what I mean by that pressed on yeah he he pursued his vision he pursued what God um, was calling him to do John C. Maxwell, who I've quoted before, he says this, all great leaders possess two things. They know where they're going, that's one, and two, they're able to persuade others to follow them. So if you're going to be a great leader, you need to have those two, two things. You need to know what you, where you're going and have the ability to help people follow you. if you don't have vision then you're not really going anywhere and therefore you're not really a leader basically you're just part of a group and maybe you're a leader by name but if you're not actually going anywhere how can you lead someone going to have a vision that that needs to come from within you that needs to be part of what you think as a leader and, and where you're going as a leader it needs to be birthed with you and, and so you need to own it um, and you need to know that it's something that is where you want to go and then you need to think about how you're going to um, explain that vision to those that you're leading because those that you're leading need to know where you're going they need to see that they need to be able to capture your heart they need to be able to capture um, your enthusiasm for, for where you're heading otherwise they're not they're just not going to follow um, and it's not going to be as successful as you want it to be
There's a guy called Robert Woodruff. Don't know if you've ever heard of him. No? Well, he is the guy that invented Coca-Cola. And he had a vision. And his vision was that he wanted Coca-Cola in the hand of every man in every nation. So he wanted it to be available everywhere in the world. But he just started with one factory. He started with a recipe, with an idea, with a vision. But then he gathered the people around him. He shared the vision and the vision began to grow. And actually, I've been in the middle of Africa, practically in the middle of nowhere. And you can go to a store and buy a bottle of Coca-Cola if you wanted it. Which, personally, I don't like it, so don't buy it. But um, you can actually get Coca-Cola in the middle of Africa. His dream came true. His, his vision came true because he had the ability to explain it to those around him and enthuse, give them, or make them enthusiastic about his vision. And then they then made others enthusiastic until eventually this Coca-Cola spreading all around the world. And there's no reason why you can't do the same with whatever it is that you want vision for. So whether it's your football team, are you going to take them to the top league? You know, are you going to get them to the top? Are you going to train the guys that you're training or whatever it is? Or whether you're a company leader or whether you're a church leader, whatever it is that you're leading, there's no reason why you can't have vision and you can't help to implement that by enthusiasm, giving your enthusiasm to others so that they then spread that um, and it can grow. So what is your vision? question to ask yourself is you know when you you become a leader or you're about to become a leader and you've got this group in front of you ask the question if I had all the resources in the world for this group what would we do and that that would be the answer to your vision probably <laughs> if you know I me mean. but but that's a good question to ask what do I want to achieve with this group where are we going? What are we doing? Why are we doing this? What is your dream? Another good thing to do when you, you know, you, you, you sort of, you've got your vision, you're planning it, you've got your dream, you, your hopes. It's like, well, how do I then begin to to, to birth this vision how do I get this vision from this really great idea in my head to to begin to implement it to begin to share it with others and get it sort of motivated and, and, and going and one of the first steps you can do is by looking at where you're at right now what is the group right now and, and where we're at and what are the really good positive things that are happening already so you, make, you can make a list of these are the really good things of what's happening already but then what things can we make better how can we improve 
what areas can be improved at. When you have the vision, you've got your plan and you've got your ideas, let it get grounded inside of you so it becomes something that is like like really secure inside of you so that when you then become to present it you're confident in this is where I think we're heading as a church or as a company or as a, a football group or whatever it is you need them you need to own it it needs to be strong inside of you can't be wishy-washy otherwise if you try to be wishy-washy people are going to get like what is it what is it we're doing where are we going what's the point of being in this group maybe I could be in another football team because this coach doesn't really know what where we're heading you know like they're going to start questioning so so as a leader you know figure out what it is you're doing where you're going and then be strong in that that doesn't mean that you can't like change your mind a little bit as you're going along and, and or or sort of alter where you're going or whatever you can do that but you need to have confidence in who you are as a leader and where you're taking your people what are you doing if you don't have this one thing you want to go for then you need to come back to that question what do i want to do okay. yeah <laughs> so so you, you know like you want you want to that's the way you're starting that's the question that you need to be asking and You know, if you've got like co-leaders or people around you, you can be asking that question with them. It doesn't have to be just you. But as if you're in leadership, that's kind of your responsibility to know where you're going. Um, so take some time to figure that one out and think it through. What's happening? Where we're going? And then you can like begin to share your heart with others. Does that answer the question? Yeah. yeah. So then you want to look at re what resources you already have available. Who in your group or who in your company is the most committed? You know, how who who's going to stand with you? Um, how can they help you fulfill the vision? So, so you, you know you're at the stage where you know what you're doing you've got this like, really great idea now is the time then to, to begin to like bring people around you that, that you know are going to support you and capture the vision and, and begin to run with it as well um, don't be afraid as well to look at your own um, strengths and, and be able to use those strengths as well in, in bringing that vision together and presenting that vision to others and recognize your weaknesses but look beyond your weaknesses you know don't, don't be getting all bogged down with your weaknesses just look beyond those and uh, draw on your own strengths and your own expertise and the expertise of those around you be an idea to write out what it is you want to do you know get it out on paper or on your pad or whatever you know get get it down in front of you so that you can read it and others can read it 
and, and it's it's there, it's invited, and then begin to draw up um, a plan of how it could take place. How are you going to get there? So begin to be asking that question, and you ask yourself that, you put, also begin to ask your team that, so how are we going to get to where we want to go? And if you remember, when we did the whole um, styles of leadership, there will be people in your team that will be strategists. So seek them out if you're not one yourself. Did you just poke your friend then? <laughs> seek out those, but get them on board and get them helping um, and work together and get the different people that are from different perspectives. Bring them all in. Um, so that you can sort of bounce off each other and work together to begin to, to um, draw up this plan of action, how we're going to get to where we want to go. And be enthusiastic about your vision. Like, don't, in your in your team meetings or whatever, don't, don't be like, I don't mean like be over the top and like dramatic, well or dramatic, but, but don't be like half-hazard either. You know, it's like, right guys, this is the vision and this is where we're going but remain enthusiastic yourself because people are more likely to follow somebody who is enthusiastic and optimist rather than someone who's negative because optimism is, is like really an, an important key to um, bring in about your vision and if you're, you're a sort of person who defaults to pessimism so you defeat default to the woe is me this isn't going to work if you if you if you're falling on that then practice by thinking positive practice by looking at people and thinking specifically about the best in them look at the situation and think specifically what is good about this situation how's it going well and train your mind to stop thinking negative. Train your mind to start thinking in a way that is enthusiastic and positive. And encourage others to do the same. People work so much better when they're in an, in a, an optimistic environment. They want to go to work when work is fun and happy. If there's negativity around all the time, People just, they don't want to do it. They don't want to go to work. They're not going to be, they're not going to do their their potential. They're not going to reach their potential if the place is full of negativity. So help them to practice being positive as well. looking at some of the things that can um, hinder um, vision and then we'll look at how, how we can overcome some of those things um, so some of the things are of course there's always we're always limited in our own abilities and that could be a limitation and with that in mind that that's why I was saying just now that get people around you who can like 
counteract your own personal weaknesses. You know, like the things that you're not good at, make sure there are people around you that are good at the things you're not. But there is the potential that you will come across people in your group that are negative. And they'll have the mindset that this isn't going to work. Or they'll have the mindset that they can only think about the here and now. They haven't, they can't think about the, the future and, and how it can change. There are those who are just like happy in the present. They don't want change. Um, and they're just like, why do we need to do this? Why do we need to change? Why can't we just stay the way we are you'll also get those that just say can't do it it's not going to happen it's not going to work it won't work it won't work it won't work there are those who are stuck in in what we would call tradition well we've always done it this way so why change it um there's a funny little story that my dad told me and um, I've since heard it told by others so I don't think it actually belongs to my dad but um, apparently Nana, my Nana used to always fry um, chop off the head and the tail of a fish before she fried it in the pan um, so that's you know, one day dad asked why, why, why did you do that and she says well I've always done it that way um, because my mum taught me to do it that way so, so then um, she asked her mum, so why did you like, teach me to chop off the head and the tail of the fish before I fried it um, in the pan? And the mum said, well, because I, had, um, I didn't have a pan big enough to fit the whole fish in, so I had to chop the head off and the tail so that it would fit in my pan. It became a tradition. At the, at the beginning, it was important that there was a reason behind it, but often... As time goes on, the reason behind why we do something doesn't apply anymore. Nana had a bigger pan, so she could have had a bigger fish if she wanted to. So often, traditions um, and the way we do things are like that. They, over time, they, they don't need to be done that way anymore. Um, but we've just got stuck, and we just want to do it the same way. So those who, who just always focus on the problem rather than the solution. And there are those who will probably be in a group who are just seeking their own desires and their own self-centeredness. So there's some potential problems that you might come across when you're trying to, to, to share your vision and implement it. So how can you help people overcome those problems? First of all, if you if you coming back to the first week when we talked about levels of leadership, if you have developed that relationship with people, that's important because what you want to do when you're sharing your vision is you want them to see your heart. 
for the group. You want to be able to share what's going on inside of you, your passion, your enthusiasm. What what do you feel about this group? And that relationship that you've built with them will hopefully have created a trust between them and you. So you need to just keep building up on building on that trust. And as well, if you've if you've accomplished that relational um, way of leading, you will have been able to figure out what are the people that you're leading, what are their hopes and dreams for this group, what are their own personal hopes and dreams, where where did they fit into where the vision that you've got. So so help them to link in with your vision. It's a bit difficult when we don't know what it is that you're leading, but but you know like try, you know, where are you at um, in this workplace? Where do you want to be? Where are you going? How can what you want to do link in with the, the overall vision? How can I help you grow in your dreams? will also help you to help me grow in the big, the big dream at the same time. So help to link the people in wherever possible and to your own vision. And then be clear and precise when you're sharing your, your dream, when you're sharing your vision. Paint, it's almost like you're painting a picture for them. This is what I think it will look like when we've achieved our goal. You know, show them how it's going to benefit or how it can benefit them. So if you, you lead in a football team, well, guys, we're going to go to the top. This is going to be hard work. We're going to have to do an awful lot of training. We're going to have to practice, the, you know, kicking the ball into the net. And the goalie, you're going to have to really practice stopping the ball going into the net. It's going to be a lot of hard work here. But this is where we're going. We're going to that competition and we're going to get to the win. We're going to win it. You know, the goal is to win our our vision is to win that competition and, and so you sort of and bring in enthusiasm and you're painting the picture this is what it's going to look like when we've achieved our goal so, so you're helping them to paint the picture you're helping each person um, within that to see their own potential within what you're doing you know you're a goalie and you're a great goalie and I can see that you can improve your, your skills and this is how we're going to help you improve your skills and as you're painting the picture remember to, to stay optimistic and, and to present hope to the, the group You know, let hope rise, let enthusiasm rise and encourage each one of them um, you know when they when Nehemiah was building the wall, um, they had opposition. Nehemiah went around each of the families and he encouraged them and he strengthened them even, um, you know, he, he helped them to stand up against the opposition. Um, he, he, you know, taught them how to hold the sword whilst building a wall. You know, he was there with them at every step of the way. So, so as you, you're painting the picture and as you're sharing the vision and as people are going, but it will never work, you can help them overcome that by just working it through with them and helping them to overcome their own personal obstacles and challenges.
the one way that you can really help to, to sort of uh, main, um, get to where you want to go is to set shorter goals along the way. So, you know, you want, let's say you want a church of 50,000 people, um, you've started with 10, it's going to take a while to get there. So your first goal might be, well, let's double the size of our congregation. How are we going to do that? Where are we going to do Let's do a love sale. Let's do a, you know, let, let's start to let people know who we are. Um, how can we, should we put on a conference? Should we bring in God for Bill? Should we do, you know, like you start to sort of, um, what am I saying? Oh, you're setting the, the shorter goals and you're saying, right, we can achieve this. And then when you've achieved that, you can like, right, well, how are we going to get to the next stage and get bigger and whatever? So you, you begin to progress then. And, and all along the way, you're continuing to paint the picture. You're continuing to remind people, this is who you are. This is where we're going. This is how we're getting there. This is what we've achieved already. But this is where we're going. And you keep in the path. For them to follow. And it's important that you yourself remain in the path and remain in the vision. Um, sometimes leaders make the mistake of, of like getting separating themselves from the people that they're leading. But play your part, get involved, remain involved and help the people to remain involved as well. And keep reminding the people what it is that they're looking for. So, for example, what's blue in this room? So, so how much focus have you done on that laptop today? While I've been talking, have we been focusing on that laptop? No. But we're now focusing on it, and you both looked at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I brought it up. I put that, that laptop is now in your frame. You've thought about it, you've seen it, you've looked at it. And, and that's what we need to do on a regular basis is keep keep the vision in the frame keep reminding people this is what you're looking for and help them to keep looking for the right things and keep their minds off the negativity or whatever it is that's going to hinder them from achieving and to help you do that find find people within your group that have that attitude of yes we can do this that winner attitude um, and have them you know don't be afraid to have them in your little inner circle as it were you know get people around you who you know I don't mean people that are just going to bend over backwards and be a yes man. You need people who are going to challenge you. You need people who are going to check you out and that sort of thing. So I don't mean that, but I mean have people who who are, are going to support you and encourage you and, and have that winner mentality. Um, don't be afraid to get them around you and be part of your team, be part of your leadership or whatever. Um, 
because the last thing you want is your right hand man to be really negative all the time because that's going that's really going to hinder you and pull you back like I say it's okay for people to come and challenge you don't be afraid of challenge because that's how we grow that's how we check our vision that's how we sort of move forward but you don't want to be surrounded by really negative people and so once you've figured out who are the people that are really enthusiastic and, and behind you and, and don't be afraid then to invest a little bit more time in them and more of your energy in them because if if they're growing and they're winners they're then going to help other people to grow and become winners as well Finally, just keep your eye on the vision yourself as you're implementing it. Like I said earlier, it's okay to change it slightly and move, you know, change direction or whatever, but, but be a person of vision. Don't just wander, know where you're going. Do you have any questions or thoughts or examples that you recognise? <laughs> no? That's good. Just good to have in the back of your mind. When you come to be a leader, it's like, oh yeah, Paula Jane said I need vision, right? What is my vision? Where am I going? with that I am done